2: There is no topic quite like which is better to get people's blood going. Who's having a better off season, the Forty ers or the Giants? Who's having a better off season, the the Raiders or the Forty ers People like lists, and people like to argue, and people like to disagree. Happens in the world of money as well. Oh, don't think us financial nerds don't fight. Which is better, real estate? or investing. And I like them both. I know you're kind of wanting me to say, choose one or the other. Just choose, pick one, pick one. Oh, oh. pull a little Sam Kennison. You can't pick both. I can pick both. Um, things change. I mean, wow, do they ever change? Your opinions change. But there's no more heated argument than California real estate and Prop 13. So there's no bigger argument out there than you know people fight about this stuff. And the vast majority of capital, you know, out there at this point in time, a lot of people say, "What's more expensive? What's what's you know the cost of doing business? It's labor. It it is labor on some cases, but it's also a desk on others." I mean, just to give you an example, my TV station recently pulled Microsoft Outlook from everyone and makes them now use Google Drive and Google Documents. One's free and one's, you know, $100 license per year. So a desk is worth something, right? So if a venture capitalist is going out there and saying, you know, you've got a great idea, I'd like to give you 500000 but the, the, the person's saying, that's not enough, I've got to get some office space. And, you know, suddenly that's becoming part of the conversation. Are we pricing ourselves out of the next big innovation? So, you know, there's a 50% chance that the next Google would be within a five-mile radius of Google. That's the way it used to, to work out. Facebook is getting ready to open up another massive campus on top of their already massive campus. And they're, they're getting ready to write ground on it. So my question is, again, and this, this will happen, like that's a lot of office space that when it, a downturn comes, like I was working at Cron, what, 18 years ago when they lost their NBC affiliate? And they used to have a, a four-story building where every desk was full. <clears throat> and then they were working off three stories. Then it became they were working off two stories. And they're working off two stories. Pick whatever office you want. You don't even have to sit in a cubicle anymore. Um, And it got thinner and thinner and thinner. So there's a big issue out there of, like, as things have become so expensive here on land, it's another barrier to entry to start a tech company here. Um, So it's a pretty fair idea that, you know, we should be looking in Iowa for the next Bill Gates. We should be looking in maybe New York City for the next uh, Sergey Brin. Mega cities like san francisco london new york they draw from you know a deep network of people ideas and capital but they also can get so expensive that entrepreneurs are focused on making money to pay the rent so they start thinking about where do we go from here tony mendez bayarealonesource.com he's with bayarealonesource.com good morning so peter thiel you know he basically said something pretty smart recently you know um a lot of them when, a lot of the capital that he's giving to entrepreneurs now is going to their landlords. And that's going to change the dynamic. Yeah, it's
3: getting pretty expensive. Um, uh, Oakland's been doing well. I think Oakland's a new hub because a lot of places are, you know, entrepreneurs are saying, let's get out of the city. Let's get out of the peninsula and let's look for some cheap space. Um, I've actually seen a couple of places in Alameda. Uh, more and more people are talking about startups in you know, the East
2: Bay. That's definitely something we're hearing. There's something of, because of that one you know, factor. And you said you could see it surging in Oakland. So let me put it in a different way. The velocity of dollars are surging towards the cheaper per square footage. And it, it does come down to math at some point in time. <clears throat> I live in a place right now where the square footage is over $1,000 to sell a residential property. Well over $1,000. So I could sell and find somewhere... In the East Bay, that's lovely in the hills, that doesn't have a lot of neighbors, that's super close to BART. And I can get. Five, yeah, you're doing one or the other. You're buying more house or you're 500, buying. 505 square feet. The same house for a lot less. Yeah. You know, um, it's the same principle. And I could even go as far as I could show you Truckee right now, <clears throat> where Truckee versus Tahoe. Truckee's doing better than Tahoe right now because it's a little bit closer. And the money in the Bay Area, they're saying, let's take a home equity line of credit, let's go get some more real estate. Or let's, you know, sell now and get some more real estate. I've probably talked to three couples in the last 10 days that have cashed out and left the Bay Area. And again, when does it hurt? We don't know. Well don't know when it's two thousand and six and things start sliding down and it feels like pain in two thousand and seven then you go I really wish I would have sold in two well, thousand and six well suddenly it's two thousand and eight and that's when you're like well I'm not going to watch it go down for two more years and you sell and then it starts to go back up yeah i don't I don't think that, that many people are worried about
3: when it's when it's going to stop um, they've got a ton of equity already built in they were higher than our peaks uh, as long and as long as there's people there to Buy their home, and I think that's really the key. Uh, but we have such slow inventory right now, Rob. And it—you are finding plenty of buyers. There's still multiple offers. You're looking at a at a 1.5 million dollar property in the Peninsula, easily getting eight offers, and that's going and it's getting over asking price. And a lot of the cases, these are cash. So there's plenty of buyers to replace that. You know, in your case, your property, so that you can cash out and move. And those three other people that you talked to, and the hundreds that are doing it.
2: It's there. Yeah. I think I told you the statistic last Friday that to rent a U-Haul in, the, in San oh, Francisco, yeah. to rent a U-Haul to go from here to Vegas, it's $2,000. To rent a U-Haul from Vegas here, it's $100. Like, <laughs> it, that's a crazy stat because now I look at U-Hauls when I'm on 101 and I'm like, I bet you're spending an arm and a leg for that. Might as well go to Vegas, pick it up and do a two-tripper. There you go. Put a kegger in the back. <laughs> You know, I remember in high school reading a story that a, a fraternity had put a keg in the back of U-Haul and went to Beach Week, got into a car accident and basically crushed 12 fraternity brothers because it was just a keg bouncing around like a pinball. Now, that sounds like an urban myth to me, right? <laughs> it does, right? Like, you, yeah. Oh, and then they got to the beach and the two drivers in the front seat opened up the back and everyone was smushed like pancakes. Anyhow, um, back to this idea on per square foot. It, the funny thing is, is if, the, if square footage was reported in your newspaper, like stocks are, or like if you were to open up Yahoo right now and see what Apple's trading at, you could open up Zillow and see what the square footage is, kind of comparable, kind of thing. Yeah, Zillow's a good place. But I think more people probably would have looked at real estate as like, volatile and crazy, if you could look at it on a daily basis. So we'll talk later in the show: is real estate better than investing? Because you and I had a conversation recently. You're like, man, you know, had you invested in real estate in two thousand six, 2007 and 8, you would have done great. You know, that that was the time to be buying duplexes and triplexes. S- I, same thing though. Had you bought stocks,
3: I saw the the report that said if you would have invested a hundred thousand dollars in the S and P in 2010, it's four hundred thousand dollars today. So okay. we're seeing, you know, the real estate guys go, oh. The stocks look pretty good, and then stock guys are going, wow, I really want that property. So, yeah, it's both sides. There's if you some, can do both,
2: that's some, great. There's a velocity going on right now in square footage. Like I told you, Truckee shouldn't be doing as well as Truckee's doing. I think it's going to continue doing well. You can find Tony Mendez at bayareallonesource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com.
1: Sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Bill
2: Gates is a pretty smart dude. Whether you like him or not, I get it. I get it. Uh, When I first moved to the Bay Area, I saw. You know, license plate that said M-S-F-T-S-U-X. I'm like, I get it. Microsoft sucks, you know. Um, I saw text uh, license plates like uh, Boo, um, I get it. But 15 years ago, Bill Gates wrote a book called At the Speed of Thought. It's 1999. Keep in mind, the iPhone just turned 10, okay? So this is pre-iPhone. And he made some predictions in this book that I recently looked at, and they're pretty fascinating. He predicted automated price comparison services, automated price comparison services will be developed, allowing people to see prices across multiple websites. And you can now do that with Nextag, PriceGrabber, and Microsoft's Bing or Google or Amazon. He talked about mobile devices. He said people carry around small devices that will allow them to constantly stay in touch and do business from wherever they are. They'll be able to check the news, see flights that they've booked, get information from financial markets, do anything they want for these devices. So 15 years later, we have smartphones, smartwatches, speakers like Amazon Echo. 15 years ago, he said instant payments and financing online um, and better healthcare care through the web. Uh, his prediction was people pay their bills, take care of their finances, and communicate with their doctors over the Internet. We were all slow to pay our bills online, and then we're like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to set it up through my bank account and have it automatically done every month. Awesome. I went through all my bank accounts yesterday just to kind of monitor them and make sure that I'm getting paid what I'm supposed to be paid and making sure I'm supposed to get discounts or I'm supposed to get discounts. But he was right, you know. Uh, we changed healthcare. Uh, tech hasn't been able to change healthcare yet, but it's it's evolving, and it's the number one focus, I think, right now in Silicon Valley. Um, Uber's changed transportation. ZocDoc is trying to make it easy to find a doctor and scheduling easier. There's companies like One Medical and Ford who are trying to change what the doctor's office is like by offering monthly memberships for online and data-driven healthcare. So there's PayPal, there's Venmo, there's Lending Club making your payments. He talked about personal assistance in the Internet of Things. Personal companions will be developed. Fifteen years ago, he said this. They will connect and sync with all your devices in a smart way. It will inform all your devices, or uh, your purchases, and your schedule, allowing them to automatically adjust to what you're doing. And there's virtual voice assistants like Google's Assistant, Amazon Alexa. They're moving in this direction. Uh, smart devices like Nest collect data on your daily routines and automatically adjust your house's temperature. It's pretty cool. I have a, a Nest, and I like to sleep cold at night, so I like it at 65, or you know, lower. That's fine by me. Um, when I stay in hotels, I, I crank the air conditioning. I like cold. And uh, every month I get an email from Nest, and it tells me, "Hey, you used 130 hours of gas last month. What's what's what are you doing? You're going crazy." And uh, I'm like, "Damn, you're right." Online home monitoring is something that Bill Gates predicted 15 years ago. Constant video feeds of your house will become common. It's increasingly common in companies like Canary, Ring, Netgear, um, Nest all make cameras that let you view the feed from your phone. And it's going to send a push alert when there's a human in the view. Social media is big. He predicted this. He said private websites for your friends and family will become common, allowing you to chat and plan for events. Like, why didn't he come up with Facebook? (laughs) You know? He came up with the idea, or he wrote the idea down. But Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, Snapchat, Line, Slack, and plenty of other apps give you easy access to, you know, your friends large and small. He talked about automated promotional offers. And I love it when I get a, a flight uh, email from, like, Alaska or Hawaii and saying, hey, you can go to Hawaii for 150 bucks if you're willing to leave on a Wednesday and come back on a Tuesday. I'm like, I'm willing to do that. Um, but he said software that knows when you've booked a trip and uses the information, uh, just activities at the destination. Uh, getting discounts, offers, and cheaper prices for all things that you want to partake in. So companies like Expedia and Kayak, Google and Facebook do that. Airbnb. Live sports discussion sites. It was a prediction by Bill Gates 15 years ago. And while watching a sports competition on television, services will allow you to discuss what's going on live. And I think that's called Twitter. And you can leave comments at ESPN in real time on sites like ESPN. So he said a lot of things. Uh, One of them, which was kind of interesting, that I still don't like, but it's kind of interesting. He talked about links to sites during live TV. And his prediction was that television broadcast will include links to relevant websites and content that complement what you're watching. And... You know, all you got to do is turn your television on now, and you see most of these commercials today has a call out to asking the viewer to go to a website or Twitter or scan a QR code, um, add it to Snapchat. It's weird to see a broadcast without a website linked at all at this point in time. So, I don't know. Uh, Bill Gates, in some cultures, is a hero, in other cultures, he's part of the evil empire. And, uh,. I find that interesting. Another thing I find interesting is Reid Hoffman. He's tied towards LinkedIn, one of the founders. He's a big guy. If you had hundreds of millions of dollars, um, wouldn't you want to live as long as you can? And maybe, maybe he's got a a diet issue. Maybe I'm body shaming. Um, maybe rich people are allowed to be obese, morbidly obese. But right? uh, the word morbid's kind of crazy. <laughs> Speaking of obese, hilarious yesterday that uh, the Donald Trump physical came out and he's one pound from being obese, but he's also six foot three. When in reality, he's probably six or five eleven.
0: This is a fine-tuned so, machine.
2: It's weird when a doctor will you know cover up for you. Do you think he even got on a scale, or you think he told the doctor, "Here's how much I weigh"? Here's he's he like he pulls out a a tool for measuring height and he's he no no no. Here's what my height is. So I think he wrote the answers for the doctor kind of thing, Huge. right? Huge. I know. Thank you. And let him say the United States and tell me he didn't have a stroke when he said this.
1: The United States.
2: <laughs> That's the best. Uh, I'm not political. That's one thing that I am not. So... Uh, anyway, Reed Hoffman runs LinkedIn. Bill Gates' prediction said that uh, online recruiting would happen, and sites like LinkedIn allow users to upload resumes and find jobs based on interest and needs, and recruiters can search you know, based on specialized skills. So these things happened. With that out there, I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, uh, blah, 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 Rob Black Show, and, of course, Rob Black Show.
1: Uh, That's right, Jack.
2: Find me at RobBlackShow.com.
1: You're listening to Rob Black and your money on AM twelve twenty KBO double. Are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: So let's talk a little bit about buying second homes. About getting a mortgage. Is it easier or tougher to get a second home, a oh, getaway home, uh, from the unlending side? A lot of people have bought a home before. A lot of people have bought condos before. How about getaway homes, vacation homes? Now they're, they're, they're harder.
3: Uh, and it should start because you, a second home doesn't generate any income. Okay. So you have to make more money. So that's, I guess, is the harder part. But uh, for the most part, it's the same rates and guidelines as if it was a primary residence. So
2: when it all comes down to it, it's, it's all about the money. Why do employees come and talk to my producer during the radio shows? You need to put a sign out, Mike. (laughs) It says, leave me alone. Get out. Get out. (laughs) I have a Like, hey, I'm going to go talk to Rob's producer. He doesn't need to focus. Rob just said the word. What did he say? Whoa. FCC gets involved. So anyway, second homes. As I'm getting older, you and I have conversations on a regular basis. One of the things you go, you go, Rob, when are you going to enjoy your money? It's a good question. I think everyone should ask that question and... How do I enjoy my money? Uh, is it cars? No. Is it women? No. Is it drugs? Maybe some. Um, but only, Sweet. In and only in controlled environments. Um, is it, like, the idea of getting a Tesla to me, an $80,000 vehicle, I've got no interest. Um, a Bugatti? I'd rather play an Xbox that has a Bugatti in it. And say I did it or go to Vegas and spend $200, get on a track and drive a Bugatti for a weekend. That'd be fun. But to me, it's like, why would I want to own something that is so much money when I could feed a, uh, a- army of elephants or I can, you know, start a foundation, wipe the poor baby elephant's butt because he's got a broken trunk and can't do it himself. Like I, that's the, that's the people that I want to save. <laughs> <laughs> that was more distracting to your producer than the other guy walking in. By the way, that other guy was a dude, uh, dude. Um, so let's talk a little bit about second homes. Like to me, do you see what I'm saying is important to me? The idea of going to nature and getting away from the parking lot that is the peninsula, getting away from the yeah. people that are the peninsula people. Shallow it, it, you know, alto. I think buying
3: a second home is kind of like buying a timeshare.
2: If if you use it, it's going
3: to make sense. Uh, timeshares get a bad rap unless you're the guy who buys the timeshare or
2: the second home that uses it. If you buy a, a second Speaking home, of bad rap. You know my my rapper. Did name? I say did I say bad rap? Yeah, he said mm-hmm. timeshares get bad rap, and I was a bad rapper. I was my my oh. I was bouncing Bobby Black. We definitely record this because we want to hear Rob rap. No no no, <laughs> I'll stop right there. <laughs> Go ahead. Back well, to you. Timeshare shares get bad reps. <laughs> but if you use them. If you, yeah.
3: So if you buy, let's say you buy a second home or a timeshare, but then you don't vacation there and you're spending money somewhere else, why did you buy it? It, it just doesn't make any sense. So um, I, I imagine that, uh, you know, 80, 90% of the people who are buying second homes are doing it the right way. And that's, they're going to plan on vacations. And, you know, you go to a place like California. You, you take Tahoe for example, or some up north, or Santa Cruz, and you say, "I'm I like the beach, um, and we're going to go to the beach. We, we've been going to the beach four times a year. We're going to go to Santa Cruz this time, and then turn it into a vacation home to, when you're not using it, or Airbnb it out, a VRBO. Uh, same thing with a uh, Tahoe type of property. I like skiing. I like the summers at the lake. Um, if you use it, and you're not going to Hawaii every other month, instead of
2: your vacation home, um." That that makes sense. Yeah. So quick question. We just heard a little Beach Boys. Who sang the song Surf City? I, I, the Beach Boys. I'm guessing it's Jan and Dean. Sure. Is it? I, I, say, I don't no know. Idea. Like, I have no clue on my surf history music. 90% of the people listening don't even know what you're talking about. So that would be a good trivia question for people with dementia like you and me. <laughs> 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 we knew this as kids. We don't know it as adults. Jan and Dean. Jan and Dean is the correct answer. Ding, 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 ding. Let's see how much Rob bet. One penny? You're not allowed to bet one penny. Alex Trebek would be like, you bet one penny? Get out of here. Alex Trebek may be my favorite Canadian. I think we all should have a favorite Canadian. Do you have a favorite Canadian? Alan Thicke was was a good choice, but he's dead. Um, I, I grew up listening to Rush, so I'll take Geddy Lee. Geddy Lee. Take sure. Off. you know they've stopped playing because Neil Pert, the drummer's hands are just are destroyed. Right, yeah, best drummer ever. I disagree. Okay, so. name another one. Um, the guy from John Imagine Bonham, Dra- the guy from Imagine Dragons, the guy
3: from Dave Matthews, uh, which is pretty good. Yeah. I don't know his name. Lois. Oh. oh god. Thank you.
2: I always thought I always thought Rock was so great. Right. So me yes, they've got five songs that are great, but they've got fifty-three albums to come up with five good songs.
1: Ooh. Say what
2: I'm just saying. Hmm. Canada's got this mandate that Canadian radio stations have to play so much Canadian music. I think Trump should invade Canada, take care of the radio stations, and, and get Getty Lee and rush off the air. Yeah, Trump, Trump's going to latch onto that idea. We could invade Canada.
1: Because you'd be in jail.
2: Why well, call it NAFTA? We could just call it America. You're like, Doesn't he make sense? The United States. <laughs> I love it when Trump had a stroke. Remember that time? <laughs>
1: Okay, I did such shirts.
2: I was not. Um okay, so back to second homes. So for me, if if you're gonna live in congestion, then you want something that gets you out of congestion, so to speak. Or you're gonna live in density, you want something that gets you out of density. Um but from what I've learned about second homes is they don't really go up in value much.
3: They're gonna be a little more sensitive to the economy, certainly. Okay. Um you know, People who are exposed to large swings of money um, are gonna care a little bit more about what they're spending on their disposable income. Uh what we've seen a lot recently are people basically saying, I'm going to buy that condo, that in not a thousand square foot property, you know, of may I might even have kids. Uh but then they're going to go out and buy property somewhere else where they can do their family events. Uh, we've seen a, a little bit more of that, and lenders are, are really opening up. We did, we just did a second home in Sacramento. Yes, yeah, Sacramento, down, down, and these people are uh, doing their Thanksgivings and Christmases, and 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 it's like their staging point for you know their adventures up in the in the mountains and. I think we're going to see more of that, and, and lenders are really figuring it out. Yeah, you still have to follow. You know, you have to be in a destination that makes sense, and you write a good letter, and this one was a little tougher, but the lenders are figuring this out because of the place like the Bay Area where people just need to get have that getaway. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you want a getaway. Everybody wants a getaway, and you don't want to go up and be that guy spending $3,000 a week to rent a place when, wait, that, I just paid for their mortgage that whole month. Have you ever – been working on a home loan for someone and found out like they had secret rooms in their home. Secret rooms, uh, secret not secret place. rooms, but rooms that uh, secret to the county, maybe unpermitted additions and things like that. Yeah.
2: What do you do when you see
3: that? Uh, depending on how the work is done, it it it'll probably pass. For example, let's say you do an unpermitted bathroom, as long as it's done in workmanlike fashion, and uh, what they'll do is if it's a three and two, they'll they'll comp. Or compare that property to other three and ones, not three and two. So they'll just take the square footage out of the
2: property. Okay. So Bruce Wayne, he had a big Bat Cave that had a lot of square square footage underneath. Probably couldn't sell it unless he's selling it to an evil villain superhero. I mean, he's his, he's limited. Most people aren't good for that. <laughs> and um, this nice 26-bedroom mansion that has a lair underneath it. Yeah, those are tough. Raw. And yet, the real estate team of Dana and Dana, oddly enough, they're both named Dana, married to two guys named Dan and Dan, but the real estate team of Dana and Dana will gladly sell you the Batcave. <laughs> Bonus room.
1: Oh, what God. was that all about?
2: I'm not going to get into realtors. I'm going to be nice today. But, God, they love talking about how great they are.
1: I'm very important.
2: And how great California is. And how great California is. (laughs) I forgot to mention that. We've got this beach right over here. Um, There's syringes all over it from the homeless people. But it's a beach. Just look at his free needles. Ah!
3: Uh, California does, uh, the Bay Area does offer quite a bit of amenities. Uh, wine country, the beaches, the, you know, fishing, the boating. I love sailing, so I mean, I, I, I dig it. Um, yeah, we it's just a little harder to get around. I think that, uh, and, and yeah, if you get it, if you, if buying a place makes sense, and, and granted, we have one of the highest rented communities here in the, in the United States, the whole Bay Area, mm-hmm. a lot of people rent. And that's probably mm-hmm. the, the worst epidemic that, What's that phase for? No. no. Uh, is is we, have a, we have Prop 13. We have parent to child transfers. We have a lot of reasons for people with key properties. Um, we're going to continue seeing low inventory in that respect where you, you've talked about your property. You said if you moved, you're never selling a house. It's close to Stanford. It's close to it's always going to rent for X dollar amount. And why would I ever sell it? I'll give it give it to my kids. And that's going to keep going and going and going. So And without new building, we're going to see an inventory crunch for for years to come, regardless of interest rates. I think home prices stay pretty steady, in addition to the fact that pretty much everybody buying houses and refinancing has done it through the toughest guidelines we've ever seen.
2: It's Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Those tougher guidelines are actually positive, in my opinion, because we're giving loans to people who can afford to pay them back or... We'll take the property away from them if we have to, but we're not giving loans to people who shouldn't earn it. I hate saying that, but it is what it is. Guidelines make for a safer system. I'm Rob Black, talking money investing and more. You can find Tony at bayarealoansource.com.
1: Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: So talking a little bit about buying a second home, I've been talking with Tony Mendez from Bay com, And um, I think one of the biggest mistakes people make in life is waiting for anything. Whether it's, you know, waiting to get a good education or waiting to move out of mom and dad's house, waiting to buy a home. Now, again, if you're going to be moving a lot, if you're in your 20s and there is no career path and you're a barista, probably don't want to be buying a home. But I think one of the biggest mist- mistakes people make is waiting. You and I talk on a regular basis and you tell me, oh, yeah, this guy's been trying to buy a home now for like four years and he's just priced out. <laughs> yeah. And you remember, uh, there's a listener fan of the show, Gabriel, Gabriel, Gabriel. And, uh. For 10 years, she, she's a nice person. She's not the best looking, but she was looking for a husband and looking for a house. And uh, for 10 years, she was like, I, I, I feel San Jose is too expensive. I feel San Jose is too expensive. And every year she'd come back to me. I'm like, okay, I understand. And every year San Jose was getting more and more expensive. And I said, just buy a townhouse condo. And like that's step one. In five years, maybe you'll have some equity. Maybe. Hopefully you do. And then you sell it and upgrade and sell it and upgrade. And. Kind of start the process, and I, I see that more and more, again and again and again, is that being the deer stuck in the headlights or not being able to take that step financially retards people's growth. I'm speaking from a portfolio growth area,
3: um, anyway. Well, you brought up a good point, and that is you know, skin in the game you, and and taking that leap of faith. It's not really a leap of faith. It's, um, it's just, you know, making that commitment. And, um, that's why I continue saying that the part of, the hardest part about buying a house is actually making that, that commitment to do it. Um, you know, contacting your, even a loan officer and getting pre-approved for some people, that's a headache. Um, on my end, it's really, really easy because this is what I do on a daily basis, but people can't even get that far, Rob. And, um, they don't, Run the numbers, or they, or then when they hear the numbers, they're like, Oh, I don't think I can buy a house, and you never hear from them again. But, um, and then a year later, they're like, You know, I saved a little bit more money down. What are prices like? Well, there, did you save, you know, another 50 grand? No. Well, prices went up another 50 grand. Um, I think a lot more people are thinking that this could be a top. We just, the Bay Area just hit another peak, um, record peak of 820000 median home price, depending on who you ask. I mean, if you go to the Peninsula, it's $1.35. You yeah. come out to um, Contra Costa, it gets a little bit lower and so on. But um, the good news about that $800,000 mark is that it's still, you know, 20% down. You're still using a Fannie Mae Freddie Mac loan, which... You can have a little bit less down payment, a little lower credit score. So there's, you know, there's still the opportunity for people to get in there and buy. But um, as far as a second home is concerned, I mean, even, even the property that you bought, you looked two, three years ago and that was $100,000 less, maybe $150,000 less. You know, looking at that, that graph, the price going up, uh, did you save down payment fast enough to keep up with how fast home prices are rising, especially second homes? Um, I think
2: a lot of people are intimidated by how fast things move, Rob. I hear you. So, a lot to consider. Um, I think real estate is still local, local, local. So, it really helps to hire a real estate agent that knows the area Did well. you mean location, location, location? Um, or local. Location, location, location. But, okay. Um, in TV, we have a saying, uh, we try to do the news that's local, local. And, uh, like, Kron is, they cater to the East Bay. Um, NBC caters to San Jose. So a lot of backstabbing in the news game. I mean, you have to watch your back. A lot of backstabbing in the news industry. So anyhow, and anyway, 800 516 You know, how I told you I'm getting to the point where I'm thinking about retirement. Mm-hmm. I've got a Ron Burgundy bobblehead. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking about who I can give it to. There's comedy.
1: not a person in this room who hasn't done that.
2: I love that movie. <laughs> Second movie, Awful. First movie, wonderful.
1: I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany.
2: What do you think about the term or the phrase, shop around for a mortgage?
3: Uh, Okay, so
2: brokers can do that for you.
3: Um, places like LendingTree do that for you. But if you're doing it on your own, I met a client yesterday who contacted me. He says, I'm shopping for a rate. I said, who have you contacted so far? He goes, this bank, this bank, this bank, this bank, this bank. And I go, did you have your credit run at each one of those places in an application? He goes, yes. So I'm looking for the best rate. Now, he's granted, he's doing a $1.3 million purchase with you know a $1 million loan, and that little bit of interest rate is going to save them some money you know, one place or the other. And you got to factor in costs. And so I, I think it's smart to educate yourself on whether or not you want to use a lender or a broker. Um, brokers are taking a lot more piece of the pie today because they have more options than a bank. If you walk into a big bank, your bank, it, they're going to have their products and that's it. They're going to have their credit score um Pricing scales—they're going to have your down payment pricing scales, and that it is what it is. Whereas a broker can pretty much fit any investor that they use or a wholesale lender to their your, your scenario. So for, that's the first thing I would decide if you're going to use a lender or a broker. I use brokers when I I bought a property out of state. I couldn't use do, do my own loan, so I used a broker. So. Hmm. That's, that's the first thing I would do. I, I don't mind shopping around. I think people should educate themselves on what's out there. I can go to Freddie Mac PMMS, Primary Mortgage Market Survey. You can see what rates are. You can go to bankrates.com and you can check that out. And there's plenty of advertisements on it. Uh, they're, they're a little misleading though. Uh, a lot of people, you're required to put an APR next to your rate. Um, and an APR is essentially the representation of what it would cost you over the year. But they're, p- people lie. Lenders lie. So I wouldn't use, I wouldn't shop APR if you paid me. It's a tough thing to do. Call a broker. That's the yeah. easiest way to do it. Don't shop around. <laughs> get a relationship you trust. Don't run your credit at
2: five different banks before I, you. And people still do it. I was at a car dealership where they tried to run credit at five different banks to get that yeah. cheap rate, and I was like, dude, you just destroyed that person's credit. Well, there's, there's a.
3: It, that really doesn't happen, but yeah.
2: You can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. You can find Tony Mendez at If You need to talk to the real estate agent in Truckee Tahoe. His name's Wade. Contact Tony.
1: Reviews and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision